You are listening to the Sunnybrook Community Church Podcast. To learn more about Sunnybrook Church, including our Sunday gathering times and opportunities throughout the week, visit us online at sunnybrookchurch.org. Today's talk comes from Pastor Jeff Mose. Well, good morning. In case you're just joining us, we've been in a series together entitled Peace of Mind. We've been walking together through some issues of mental health. And next week, we're going to take a look at burnout. So if you're just barely hanging in there, just holding on, do so until next week. I want to talk with you about burnout. But today, I want to take a look at a very difficult subject. I want to talk together today about trauma. Now, out of all of the series, I think this is the most difficult one. It's seldom talked about in the church. But here's what I know about trauma. Many of you have experienced some sort of severe trial, some sort of severe abuse, or some sort of severe heartache. Many of you have gone through it. And today I want to trust that God's Word is going to somehow bring comfort to your very life and to your very soul. Now isn't it true whenever we think about trauma, we often think about the event itself. But I want you to see this, and here's a clear definition. Trauma is actually a response, not the event, but trauma is a response to a deeply disturbing or distressing event. In other words, whenever you and I think about trauma, we often think about it in a physical fashion, don't we? They had a traumatic injury. But I want to remind you this morning that trauma can certainly be physical, but it's also emotional, it could be mental, and there could be spiritual abuse as well. That's why, hear me on this, the wounds you can't see can hurt as much as the ones you can see, can't they? Now, often what happens is people walk into the church, they've gone through some trauma in their life, and they want to share it with somebody. They recognize there's something about emptying their burdens, their struggles of life on somebody else, about talking it over so they tell some sort of a happy Christian. And what do they often quote? They quote Romans 8, 28. Hey, listen, I recognize you've been through some difficulty in life, but don't worry about it. God works all things together for good to those who love the Lord and have been called according to his purpose. And even though you know that truth is true, it's very difficult to hear, isn't it? Sometimes because your emotions are so raw, the trauma was so recent, that even though you know this to be true, it feels rather hollow at the moment. It feels rather dismissive in your life. Now, here's what I want to do today. I want to give you sort of three steps, if I can, as to how to begin to heal from trauma. And I want to start with an admission. People who were born in my day and age, in my generation, whenever people would say, I've gone through some trauma, we'd say trauma, schwama, rub some dirt in it, get back out on the field, wouldn't we? But here's what I found in ministry. That doesn't solve anything, does it? In order for you to somehow move on from the trauma that you've been through in life, You've got to begin to heal, and the only way I see healing take place is for you and I to come before God and somehow experience his power, his presence, his peace, his healing, especially through the word of God. So today I want to try to take a look at that, and as I start today, I want to take a look at what experts would say are sort of three types of trauma, if you will, give you some categories to work with. The first of them is this, what we call acute trauma. It's a response to a one-time event, a traumatic thing that's taken place in your life. 
For instance, maybe you went through a horrible automobile accident. Maybe you survived the struggles of mother nature. Maybe you went through a tornado. Maybe you went through a hurricane. It was horrific in your life. You experienced some trauma, but you made it through. Maybe at an early age, you experienced some sort of difficulty with regards to pornography. You saw it in your life, and it had a traumatic impact on you. Maybe you went through childbirth, and there was complications. It was rather difficult for you. Maybe you went out on a date with somebody that you liked, and they ended up raping you. It is a horrific, traumatic, one-time event in your life. The second category I want you to see is what we'd call chronic. It's more of a long-term, prolonged, repeated events in your life. Maybe it would be like this, that you came to this conclusion in your own life that as you walked through this trauma, through this difficulty, it was ongoing in your life. Maybe you began to recognize that some of the things that were taking place with your husband, maybe he abused alcohol, maybe he abused drugs, had a long-term effect on your life. Maybe you're beginning to recognize that these are not things that were just short-term in your life, but they were rather ongoing in your life and in your heart, and it caused some trauma inside of you. The last is what they would call complex trauma, which is a response to ongoing things in your life that are obviously multiple and those kinds of natures. In other words, maybe you live with somebody who struggled with alcohol and drugs, and maybe they became sexually or emotionally or physically abused. And what I want you to see, and I think this is critical, is you got to begin to recognize that it affects your relationship with other people, your trust of other people. It affects your relationship with God, and it affects your trust of other people. Now, let me share with you a rather benign, traumatic event in a person's life, though counselors would tell you, never sort of grade traumatic events in your life. But I have a friend by the name of Carl, and he went through several automobile accidents in his life. He lived in the day and age, much like I did, where nobody wore a seatbelt. In fact, when we were heading to Florida with our family, we would fight as to who could lay in the back sort of window of the car. Whenever we were picking blueberries, this is my first job in Holland, Michigan, 11, 12 years of age, we would pile all of us, maybe 20, 30 of us, into the back of a pickup, and we would go 70 miles an hour down the highway. That's the kind of client he grew up in. And now I want you to see that this man is actually a child. He's sitting in the passenger seat of the car, and the driver pulls out in front of another car. He said there was nothing he could do except simply brace himself for impact, and thankfully it didn't hit right on the door, hit in the back of the car, but it spun it around several times. Ambulances came. He was taken to the hospital, all of that. To this very day, I hate to drive with him. He drives like a grandpa. He has never had a ticket in his life, but he drives slow as can be. Why? Because of the trauma that he's gone through. Maybe for you, it wasn't an accident. But maybe for you, there was something traumatic that took place in your life that distanced you from God and from your trust in him. Maybe for some of you, you grew up poor, and now every time a bill comes in due and you see, experience some sort of trauma in your life, Maybe for you, you were abused as a child and you are terrified that somehow you are going to repeat this process with your children. You struggle with this area of abuse. And here's what I want you to see today. I want you to see a man by the name of the Apostle Paul. Paul, you'll know, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. The Apostle Paul was the one who said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But the Apostle Paul, all throughout his life, experienced tremendous trauma. 
Even at the point of his conversion, this man who was actually persecuting Christians, killing Christians, experienced trauma of the day he came to know Christ. If you ever heard my testimony before, you'll know that my testimony is sort of like this Christian hallmark movie. I was born and raised in a Christian home in second grade. I remember my Sunday school's teacher sharing the gospel, and I knelt alongside of a little red Sunday school chair, and I prayed to receive Christ as my Savior, and I stood up a changed person. That is not the testimony of the apostle Paul. Paul is actually on the road to Damascus when the scripture says he's struck down by a bright light. Most scholars say it's likely that it was like He's struck down, and instead of hearing this voice from heaven that says, I love you and I have a wonderful plan for you, the voice from heaven is rather confrontational. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul is actually blinded for three days. Now, he has no idea that it's only going to last three days and somebody's going to show up at a house and he is going to be able to see again. He has no idea. But now the Apostle Paul, going through this rather traumatic conversion, now is not only a person who at one point in time persecuted Christians, but now he's a preacher of the very gospel of Jesus Christ. People, do you think that the life of the Apostle Paul, once he came to trust Christ as his Savior, was all peaches and cream, all a bed of roses? Do you think that when he came to know Christ as his Savior, now he had a six-figure salary, all the benefits, and all the babes were following after him? Do you think that's what happened to Paul? No. In fact, for the rest of his life, the apostle Paul, as he did ministry in the name of Christ, went through trauma. Almost every single city that he went to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, people wanted to kill him. They wanted to run him out of town. Let me just give you a few places where the Apostle Paul faced traumatic events. He saw it in Damascus, Antioch, Iconian, Lystra, Thessalonica, Berea, Corinth, Jerusalem. Every place he went preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, people, when it was over, wanted to kill him. Do you remember one time they pushed him against a wall and somebody lowered a basket? He got into the basket and he escaped barely with his life. Every single place that the apostle Paul went to preach the good news of Jesus Christ was under some sort of traumatic event where people either wanted to kill him or they wanted to silence him. Can you imagine then for a moment what it'd be like to go through this constant traumatic events? How in the world did the Apostle Paul get through it? How do you and I who go through traumatic events in our lives, how do you and I get through it? Well, I want to give you three steps that I think the Apostle Paul took in order to bring healing in his life and that you and I can take as well. Step number one would be this. We got to process the pain of our trauma. We got to process the pain of our trauma. Now, having said that, that means you start by acknowledging it. In other words, you can't shove it down. You can't pretend it didn't exist. You can't look in the other direction. At some point in time, if you're going to process the pain in your life, you need to acknowledge that it took place. You've got to come into the presence of God or into the presence of a trusted friend, and I've got to say, God, here's the reality. I was abused. I was raped. I went through a horrible accident, and God, it's had major effects on my life. Now, hear me on this. 
That doesn't mean everything you go through is traumatic. Just because somebody disagrees with you is not a traumatic event. Just because somebody yells at you for doing wrong is not a traumatic event in your life. But if you've had a real serious traumatic event, it starts with simply acknowledging it. God, here's what happened in my life. In order for me to somehow heal God, I got to tell you about it. I got to tell a trusted friend. I got to tell a Christian counselor. I got to tell somebody in order for me to begin to heal them. Because here's what experts have found. If you and I don't seek connection, if we don't seek somebody out to be able to communicate it with, here's what we do. We prioritize protection. Instead of seeking connection, telling somebody, what we do is we prioritize protecting myself. I mean, I'm going to keep it to myself. I don't want to tell anybody about it. I don't want to go through the pain of sort of unearthing this again. I just want to keep it silent. Here's what experts will tell us. We don't heal in isolation. We heal best in community. We don't often heal well in isolation by keeping it to ourselves, by not processing it. We actually heal better in community. And people, if you don't process the pain that you've gone through, it shows up in other ways. It shows up in sometimes you and I abusing alcohol or you and I abusing drugs. It reflects itself in sex or food addiction. Sometimes it reflects itself in workaholism, whatever it might be. When you and I don't process the trauma in our lives, somehow it shows up in other fashions. So that's the very same thing that the Apostle Paul did. He said, listen, here's what I got to do. I got to process my trauma. So he actually begins to write about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And he begins to tell us all of the things that he's been through. I don't want to just go through some of it. He said, listen, I've been in prison frequently, been blogged, flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times, he says, I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Why minus one? Because Jewish law was if you beat somebody 40 times and they died, you were guilty of murder. But if you just beat them 39 times and they died, it wasn't your fault. So it goes on to say, three times I was beaten with rod. Once I was pelted with stones. Once the apostle Paul says I was stoned. Now, speaking to some of you today, this did not mean recreationally stoned. This is physical, real stones that were thrown at Paul. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and day in the open sea, and I've been constantly on the moon. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bands, in danger from my fellow Jews. Do you see what he's doing? In almost this cathartic fashion. The apostle Paul is saying, in effect, here's what I've been through. In order for me to somehow deal with the trauma of my life, I've got to process it. I've got to tell God. I've got to tell you. I've got to tell a trusted friend. I've got to tell a counselor. I've got to tell somebody, here's what I've gone through. And in order for you to begin to somehow heal from the trauma in your life, you've got to acknowledge this is what's taken place. In fact, to show you how severe it was for the Apostle Paul, later in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he would say, we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Any of you here today been through such horrific trauma in your life that there actually came a point in time when you despaired of life itself, that you thought about ending it all? 
If you ever have, the apostle Paul says, hey, I've been there. The guy who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament says, I've been to the very place that you've been. It was so hard, so difficult, so traumatic that I actually came to the point that I had a spirit of life itself. But Paul's beginning to write. He's beginning to share. Here's the trauma because I know part of the process is to somehow share the pain with those around me, somehow recognize there's something cathartic in simply saying, this is what happened to me. So first of all, you got to process the pain. Secondly, I want you to see this. We prayerfully then press into God with our trauma. After we've processed it, maybe with a friend, maybe with a Christian counselor, now in a sense we take it before God in prayer. We say, God, i got to tell you what's happened in my life. Here's what's gone on. i got to somehow take this off my shoulders, and i got to place it on your shoulders. When you come one chapter later to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul describes what he's going through as a thorn in the flesh. Now, we don't know exactly what the thorn in the flesh is. hasn't kept scholars from guessing as to what it might be. But isn't it true that every single one of us at some point in time seemed to have this thorn in the flesh? Maybe yours is sitting next to you. Don't elbow them. But we all at some point in time have a thorn in the flesh, don't we? Well, the apostle Paul had one, and so he says, here's what I decided to do. Three times I took it before the Lord. Three times I pleaded with the Lord, take it away, take it away, take it away. He recognized in order to somehow deal with the pain in his life, he had to come before God and say, God, here's my pain. Three times. Now, most scholars say this is not just three prayers. This is actually three seasons of prayer for the Apostle Paul. Three times in his life for an extended period, he comes before God and he pleads, he begs God, take it away. People, can I remind you this morning, no matter what you've gone through, God wants you to come before him and to lay it at his feet. Do you remember we talked before in this series, the words of Peter, where he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. We said it was a fishing term much in the first century. Nets were placed on their shoulders, and the idea was you would cast it on the sea. The idea of take the weight of the issue off you and now cast it on the water, cast it on God. So here's what I'm going to do, God. I'm going to cast all of my cares on you. Why? Because I know how much you care for me. So Paul pleads three times for God to take it away, but guess what? God doesn't take it away. But God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. This might be hard for some of you to hear, but in the very thing in your life you hate the most is where the power of God shows up the greatest. The very thing that you wish had never happened to you, the very thing you wish you could get rid of, the very thing that the Apostle Paul pleaded with God three times to have it removed, he said, listen, I want you to know, when you come to the end of yourself, when you come to this point of weaknesses where my power pours through more than any other time, and then he goes on, people, listen, this can only be said when you're there in the presence of God. So Paul makes this strange statement, that's why, for Christ's sake, I actually delight in my weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, 
For when I am weak, then I am strong. That somehow, though I recognize this didn't come from God, somehow God wants to use it in my life to bring me to the end of myself so that I live in dependence upon him. And even in my weaknesses, somehow his power and his love pours through all of the more. People hear me on this because I think this is critical. Nothing can change your past. I would give anything as your pastor to be able to go to your past and somehow protect you from the traumatic event that took place in your life. But nothing can change your past. But hear me. God can heal your broken heart. Nothing has the ability to somehow change what happened to you. But even in spite of what has happened to you, God can bring about healing in your life. The psalmist says it this way. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. That when you and I come in brokenness before God, he comes close to us. When you and I recognize through the weight of the sin of this world, you and I have been crushed. He's near to us. There's not only this sense in which the Apostle Paul says, here's what I want you to do. First of all, I want you to process your pain. Secondly, then, I want you to bring it prayerfully before God. It's in your weakness. God will begin to work. And then step number three is this. We pursue purpose in our trauma. We pursue purpose in our trauma. Now, for those of you who your trauma is rather recent, this may be a little bit hard to understand. There's purpose in what I've gone through. And maybe you need to focus just on the first two points. Maybe you're not ready for the third. But can I remind you that there is a day coming when this God can take all things that have happened to us and use them somehow for good, for purpose in our lives? Maybe you're not ready for that, but down the line, I really believe that you're going to see somehow God could use this trauma, could use this pain, not for nothing, but for purpose and meaning in your life. The Apostle Paul had been shipwrecked, beaten 39 times with a whip. He had been left for dead. He had been chased again and again. And now he writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Praise be to the God and Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our trouble so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. You see what Paul is saying? Listen, there is purpose in this pain. I want you to know that God can bring comfort into your life, and then eventually out of that, he's going to allow you to comfort other people. It is, if you will, sort of this continual effect that goes on down the line. It has ripples to people around you. When I go through trauma and I go through pain and God begins to comfort me and now I come to that place where I can stand on my own two feet, now God brings somebody into my life that has gone through the same pain in their life and I bring the comfort of God that he's given to me to them and their situation. Because isn't it true that nobody understands the pain that you've gone through better than somebody who's been there? Whenever I go into the house of somebody at Sunnybrook Community Church that's gone through pain, I think to myself, who's been here? Who's gone through divorce? Who's been raped before? Who's gone through alcohol or drug abuse? Who's been where this person has been? 
because eventually when they recognize they're able to somehow get their head above water, if you could have a rescue who has been there, touched that pain, knows what they're going through, nobody ministers better. Nobody can throw a lifeline better to a drowning person than somebody who's experienced the comfort and the peace of God in the midst of their pain. So people kind of remind you today that when you and I go through pain, the God of all comfort comes alongside of us and he brings comfort for the very purpose that one day he's going to bring somebody into your life that's going through the very same thing and you can bring the comfort of God to them. So for all of us today, I think the Apostle Paul would say, hey, listen, Jeff, tell them not this, that they can heal. Tell them they can actually get through the trauma and the difficulties of their life being stronger than what they've ever been before and tell them when they're ready that God could actually give them a ministry where somehow there could be purpose in the pain that they've gone through. People, I'm convinced that for every single one of us, when you and I cling to the truth of God's word, when you and I begin to recognize the scripture that in all things God works together for good, not just in the good things of life, but in the bad. He works all of them somehow together for good. If you've loved the Lord and you've been called according to his purpose, pastor's job has always been to comfort the afflicted. But it's also been my responsibility to afflict the comfortable. And if you are way too comfortable in your trauma and your pain, can I afflict you just a little bit, say, in a sense, could you make an acknowledgement? This is what's happened in my life. Could you pour your heart out before God through prayer? And could you see that it's very possible that in the midst of the worst thing that has ever happened to you, God wants to create a ministry. God wants to use you to minister to the very people that are going through the hurt and the pain that you've gone through. Today, I just want to pray over every single one of us and ask for God's healing and wholeness in your life. Could you pray with me? Father, we just want to give you thanks that you're the God of all comfort, that you comfort us in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. So, Father, by your Spirit, could you come close to those who have gone through trauma and hurt and pain in their life? Could they feel your presence? Could they feel your peace? And little by little, Father, as you minister to them, could they be able to stand on their own two feet? And then, Father, in your perfect time, could you allow somebody to come along their way that has been through the same hurt, the same pain, the same difficulty? And, Father, could you allow them to understand and to minister to those people? Father, move through this place by your Holy Spirit. Bring about healing and wholeness, I pray. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk, check out our Sunnybrook Unscripted podcast, where we talk real life, answer questions, and take a deeper practical look at the topics we talk about on a Sunday morning. For other talks, videos, and live gatherings, rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. Download the Sunnybrook Church app or visit us at sunnybrookchurch.org. And again, thanks for listening to the Sunnybrook Community Church podcast.